Hello, and welcome to the Magic Music Review Podcast. I'm Jim Spangler, your host. Join me each episode as we talk about our love of Disney music. It could be a song, a movie, a short film, a Broadway show, a Disney theme park, or one of the countless other forms Disney music takes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey through the magic of Disney music on the Magic Music Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Magic Music Review Podcast. Uh, I know it's been quite a while uh, since the last one, two weeks ago, uh, that was released, but uh, we are back again and I am here with our favorite co-host, Mr. Aaron Kaplan. Hey Aaron. Hey, good to good to hear your voice again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's been longer than two weeks since we recorded, but uh, it's two weeks since they've heard the last podcast. So there you go, and they heard you on that podcast too. So <laughs> those, poor, those poor people. I know, I know, I know. Uh, so you know, we are. No, I'm not going to say that. I, I, I will. I'll hold that. I'll hold that thought. Um, I don't think. I don't think people would appreciate that. It may not be exactly PG. Um, so, uh, we are here, if you couldn't tell by the introductory music, we are talking about The Lion King again, but this time we are talking about The Lion King on Broadway, which, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this, but I can't say enough good things about this show. Um, I just absolutely love this show and, uh, I actually like it better than the animated movie, the 94 animated movie. And I like the 94 animated movie, but I think the Broadway production is a more thought out story. Uh, wow. And more complete. I think it's just better. I, I know. I know. That's a, that's a divisive opinion. <laughs> well, I've never been scared of being divisive. <laughs> I have always said that I would say exactly what I thought. Uh, yes, but I love this. I love this production, and I love this score. I love the things that they added into it. Um, I just, I, I just think it's brilliant. Um, and you know, so let me give some statistics, and then we'll kind of go into it. So, uh, The Lion King is a musical. It's based on the '94 uh, Disney animated film with the same name. Uh, music by Elton John, lyrics by Tim Rice, book by Roger um, Allers and Irene Mechie. Mecky, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. I'm butchering that, I'm sure. Uh, and additional music and lyrics uh, by Lebo M., Mark Mancini, Jay Rifkin, Julie Taymor, and Hans Zimmer. Uh, and it was obviously produced by Disney Theatrical Productions. Um, it was not their first one. Their first one was Beauty and the Beast, but uh, just, just so everybody knows. It uh, debuted um, in July of 97 in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Orpheum Theater. Uh, and then had its first uh, preview on Broadway on October 5th, 1997, and officially opened on November 13th, 1997 um, at the New Amsterdam Theater. So, And then after a while, on June 13th, 2006, it had to move to the Minskoff Theater because they were bringing Mary Poppins to the New Amsterdam. And for those of you who don't know, Disney owns the New Amsterdam Theater. So they bought that old theater and they refurbished it uh, and and it's 
absolutely gorgeous. It is a gorgeous theater, and it seems to be the theater of choice for them uh, to put their big shows in. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but I feel like like The Little Mermaid and Tarzan, I, I feel like they didn't think those would be as successful, so they didn't push anything out of the Minskoff to right. put those right. in, right? So right. Um, it, it, I think it's telling what they think of a show based on where they're putting it. Um, you right. know, and, and what's open. So, right. And the, um, one of my, one of my favorite things that, um, that is not well known is the, there was a piece that they commissioned, um, Alan Menken, a good old Disney favorite to open yeah. the new Amsterdam theater. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's, it was an oratorio, uh, called King David with music by Alan Menken and, uh, lyrics by Tim Rice. I did um, not know that. Yeah, and it, and it ran for. I mean, it was it was a big celebration, grand opening of the restoration of this hundred year old theater, um, and it was an oratorio. So there were soloists, um, a big chorus, and a big orchestra. And I think it only ran for maybe six or seven performances, just because it was a you know special event. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. it's a it's a beautiful score. Um, Adina Menzel was in that. Uh, Roger Bart, who would later go on to sing the be the singing voice of Hercules and. Right. There's an everything. Right. Um, and it, it, such a it, this is a total side note, but it's worth mentioning that that another uh, Mencken and Rice score did open that theater just before Lion King came in. I did not know that. That's and I have to look that up. I did Which, not know that. It's on my list of, of things to produce with my uh, with my orchestra that I have. Ah, <laughs> when, when, nice. When we have to do you know, things again with lots of people involved. Exactly. When, when COVID goes away, right. Uh, when we can actually get together again and when you and I can sit across from each other again to talk, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, so, uh, the Lion King is still running and it is the third longest running Broadway show in history. Um, and did you know, I, I did not know this. First of all, the Broadway production has grossed more than a billion dollars. That's with a B, a billion dollars. And that and the theatrical re- release are the highest grossing combination of those two ever in the history. Yeah. And the musical is actually the highest grossing musical ever. Yeah. Yeah. And you even, would, you would, even more than Phantom. Yeah. You would think it would be Phantom, right? But it's not. Um, just because Phantom has been running since the creation of Broadway. Um, you know, don't get me started. Um, no, don't get me wrong. I like Phantom. I like everybody. Put your thumbs away. Put your thumbs away. I like, I, do I love Phantom. I like Phantom. Uh, so I don't have any complaints there. I, I still think, I think it stands the test of time. I think it's okay still. So, um, and it's because it's a period piece, but that's yeah. not what we're talking about. Um, it also, uh, got six Tony awards, including best musical, which was rather controversial. Mr. Kaplan. <laughs> Indeed it was. Yeah, because in 97, another brilliant musical came out called Ragtime. Yeah. To go, and uh, 40 years before um, these two shows went head-to-head, another very famous uh, duo of shows went head-to-head in 1957, West Side Story and Music Man. And Music yes. Man. I'm always shocked by that fact. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Me too. Every time I hear it, I'm like, really? Even though I know it. <laughs> I'm always like, I mean, it's, it's great, but yeah, it's not West Side Story. Yeah. I just, yeah, that is that is just 
That's mind-blowing. But you know, my thing is, um, and there were definitely two camps when this happened, and my thing is, is that while Ragtime is brilliant, and the production that they put on was big and grand and gorgeous with amazing talent, mm -hmm. it didn't change theater. Right. And when Lion King opened up, it completely changed theater. Like, it was a seismic shift with what Julie Taymor did with this show. Yeah. Um, and so I think you have to look at that. I think, uh, you know, because I think score-wise, you know, I love both scores. I don't have one that I like more than the other. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Ragtime is more grand and sweeping, um, but I but there are things that I love about both. So it was a it was a huge controversy. Um, funny story, you'll find you will find. I don't think anybody else in the audience will find it funny, but you will. Um, so I was in New York in October of uh, the end of October of '97. Uh, it actually might have even been, it might have been the beginning of November that I was there, and uh, the person that I was traveling with and I were uh, eating at a diner in Times Square, and we had a free evening to see a show. Because mm -hmm. we decided we would, we booked shows to go see, and then we were like, well, let's – we'll keep an evening free, and we'll just go see something. Well, The Lion King was in previews, right? And I'm a huge Disney fan, um, and I loved Beauty and the Beast. And uh, so I was like, you know, oh, that's interesting. But as we were sitting at the diner, all we heard were people making fun of The Lion King. They literally were just laughing at it. Right. Really? They were like, yeah, they were like, oh, Disney's Lion King. That's going to be a big hit. Blah, blah, blah. Right. They were they were really downplaying it. And so, well, we were like, well, we'll, we'll go see something else. That's OK. There's there's plenty to see. And I think that's actually the night that we went to see Rent instead. <laughs> um, uh, no, that's that. I, that may not be a true story, but because it was another trip that we did that. But it doesn't matter. We went to see something else that night. And I don't even remember what we went to see. That's how big of it you know how big an impact it had on me i don't even remember it we got home two days later we got home and that very next day rosie o'donnell came on the air said it was the greatest thing that she had ever seen and had the cast on i wanted to shoot myself <laughs> i was so angry i was like oh i can't believe we blew that off <laughs> Yeah, and what and that man, remember that Rosie O'Donnell show? Oh yeah. So much for Broadway. Yes. She did so much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so moving on, we're that we could talk about all the I mean, there have been so many productions worldwide. It's crazy uh how many productions of this there have been around the world. Um and uh but we are here to talk about the Broadway cast recording of this, the original Broadway cast recording. Yep. Um, of this and uh, I, you know I think um, we're probably gonna a lot of it is the same kind of I mean they're the same songs um, but a lot of it is different mm -hmm. uh, and that's I think that's one of the things I loved I loved the additional items that they put in um, and I think that's what makes me like it more than the movie because we talked about how how little music there actually is in the movie surprisingly right. <coughs> So, yeah. Um, and what I what I love about the score is even though when you look at it, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? Yes. We've got the original, you know, the 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 song composers, Elton John and Tim Rice. And then we have the score composer, Hans Zimmer. And then we have 
Lebo M, who was the the arranger for all the the South African music and the chorale moment, the choral moments and the chorale chants. Um, and then we have Mark Mancina and Jay Rifkin, who are collaborators of Hans Zimmer and were sort of mentored by him and then went on to go on their own, do, do their own film scores. Um, and then, and Julie Taymor even has a, as a credit for, you know, yeah. music goes by. Um, but it sounds so cohesive and, you know, I, I love that there are moments from the film score that have been expanded and then turned into songs, some songs with words and some just, uh, background underscoring uh, in the musical, but it sounds like such a cohesive score. And there's a lot of songs, particularly Grasslands Chant um, and He Lives in You in Shadowland, yes. that you think were were these in the film, or yeah. you know these like these they sound familiar. There's a familiar. Totally, I completely agree. And and it's an it's a it's the example of everybody was looking in the same direction. Right. Right. Everybody had the same end goal. Uh, in mind, and uh, Julie Taymor, I think, did a brilliant job of making sure that everybody continued with their eye in this on the same target. You know, she wouldn't let anybody shoot off target. Yeah, and and she was such a such an avant garde choice at this point in her career for Disney. Yes, yeah. Well, she's still an avant garde choice. I mean, True. come on, Spider Man, turn off the dark. Come on. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, so she's still an avant-garde choice, I think. But it really what all of the traditional theater that she did with uh, masks and puppets mm. and stuff really were, the, I think, the perfect choice for this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she and she was relatively known only for her at the time in the mid 90s for her, you know, directing of, of a lot of opera. Um, and right. then it's different, and uh, you know, again in in Europe, especially a lot of the operas, their um, the direction and the staging tend to be more avant garde and have use a lot of different types of theatrical right. um, ways of telling the story. Right. And you know, at that at the time, she was really known for her Shakespeare adaptations and her opera adaptations. And I remember watching an interview with her and Tom Schumacher, who was who's now the head of Disney theatricals. And um, she, you know, she was very hesitant at the beginning of, you know, because, you know, Disney at the time, Disney had this reputation of, you know, 42nd street and times squares because it was becoming Disneyfied and they were taking That's over. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and she was like, you know, I, she, she said that she came into the, uh, to their, her pitch meeting with her idea and, and, you know, she had these masks and she kind of laid out how, what her vision for the show was. And they basically said, here's a buttload of money. Do what you want. And yeah. that confidence was what, you know, solidified the choice for her. Yeah. And, you know, I remember thinking, how are they going to put lions on stage? Because right. when they did Beauty and the Beast, it literally they made everything look like the movie. Right. right. I mean, yes, they yes. You know, they had to change some things and tweak some things. But basically, the characters looked like the movie characters, especially the Beast, right? Um, oh, yeah. And so, you know, I was like, how are they going to do this with lions? How are how are they going to make it so that we buy it, right, right? without looking foolish? Um, and, and her use of masks and puppets is brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah. Um, it is uh, 
that the first time I saw it, I unfortunately have I have yet to see this on Broadway. I've only seen it on tour. Um, oh, and, same, actually. Yeah, but I remember when that first animal at the opening came out mm-hmm. after Rafiki oh. does the call. Right. And that first, I mean, I thought I was going to cry. Like, it brought tears to my eyes. I was like, oh, I don't even know. I didn't even know what to think of this. And then when that elephant comes up, I was like, I am done. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, easily on most people's top 10 theater moments, the circle of life is somewhere on that list. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be. And and you and I have seen a lot of theater and done a lot of theater. <laughs> yeah. It is just brilliant. It is brilliant. And, um, you know, that just brings us right to the first song, right? Circle of Life, which we all know. Um, They expanded it a little bit for this. um, And they added that brilliant uh, call at the beginning, right? The call to the animals, um, which I absolutely love. Um, And, you know, every time I hear it, I want to hear C.D. Laloka do it. I want her to be doing it. (laughs) I know that's not the way it works, but... (laughs) I want her to do it because she was so brilliant. Um, And uh, it is just such an epic way to begin telling this story, right? Um, The story of African heritage using African sounds um, and, you know, visuals that are definitely, you know, from the continent. Um, So brilliant. Even to the point where they figured out how to make the sun rise. In the background. Right. Like right. The, and it's the most simple effect. It's nothing fancy, but it is so effective. Right? It's just, yeah. uh, it's brilliant. So Circle of Life, love it. We've talked about it. Um, do you have anything that you want to add? You know, anything special that you think about this particular one that you love? You know, I, th- I think, um, like we, we talked about in two weeks ago's podcast, that you know the the in the in the animated film circle of life does such a great job of of really establishing the center idea of what the piece is about yes you know it, you know the circle of life and you know simba is born and kind of it you know it, it shows in that opening 3 minute montage you know what not only what life is like but you know, sort of what is what we're about to see. And it just introduces us to the world. Um, and what I like about the the stage version is it does all those things. But also, you know, when they had to. And again, this is this is very dorky of me. But, you know, this, <laughs> I, I assume this is why you, you invite me. Aaron, your- this is why you're on. Exactly. <laughs> no, the, the orchestration for the show is so unique to any other Broadway show, um, and I like that when you when you have Circle of Life, you're totally immersed, not just visually but also aesthetically and aurally. Yeah, um, it really gives us. It really does an amazing job um, uh, in the stage production of showing us and telling us and having us hear what the language of the theater is going to be that evening, right? Right. Like there's no, cause we all, cause we all know what the story is. And so, but we don't know what language they're going to use. And by that, I mean, you know, costuming and, and puppets and, you know, it, like you said, instrumentation, sounds, all of that, all the visual and aural things. Um, it's giving us that, right? Right. 
because um, you know in the in the film you had you know at the end of the day you still had a big hundred piece orchestra recording the score and right. then sort of the rhythm section Elton John pop section doing the songs right uh, and then Lebowem's you know vocal arrangements but in the 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 way that the that the stage version is orchestrated it's so interesting because you've got you know strings um, a, a small string section and then you only have one reed player but that reed player plays like I, th- I think it's 11 or 12 different types of flutes that's crazy yeah that's and, crazy like, you can't just have your old you know any any old flute player play this book i mean right there are all different types of african flutes wooden flutes pan flutes um, i'm guessing that a lot of places that are going to try to do this are doing it on keyboard Oh God! I, I hope. I not. know. I know. I know, Aaron. I'm so sorry. I just broke your heart. <laughs> I, I almost. I almost think though that whenever the show does become licensable, which you know probably will never happen because it'll never stop running. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Considering that I, it's still running at 95 percent capacity. Right. On average. I, <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised if they license you the flutes, like you can rent them from from MTI or whoever. And yeah. Get well, you know, they tried. They have they have created a junior version of it. Yeah, and it's lovely, the junior version. It is lovely. They do a really nice job of of paring it down. It really is lovely. Yeah. So um, let's, let's move on. Well, first of all, let's listen to a little bit of this uh, Circle of Life from the Broadway production. On the day we arrive on the planet Step into the sun There is more to see Than can ever be seen Or to do Than can ever be done There is far too much To take in here More defined Than can ever be found But the sun get the circle of life and we've had the the mountain come up from the stage um, or roll out onto the stage depending on where you see it um either way it's impressive it doesn't matter um we go into a transition now i think this is one of the things i love about this show is all the transition music and the transition things that they did to get us from scene to scene Mm -hmm. um instead of just throwing us you know into the scenes Right. Instead of let's just play the last 16 bars of Circle of Life again. That's exactly right. And then we can go into, you know, Morning Report. I love that we have this 
Grasslands chant uh, yeah. in there. I think it's, um, you know, uh, again, it's so setting the the mood and the tone and the sound of this. Where are we? Um, and it's it's just brilliant. And I also think about the brilliance of the visuals of this. This is a show that for me, it's hard to separate the visuals from the music. Oh, I agree. Because totally. it's so striking, right? These 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 men uh, that come up uh, and some women that come up with this grass on their heads, right? They rise from the from the savanna with these like flat things with grassland on their head. It's just brilliant, brilliant, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just gorgeous, and it's all shadowed, and and it's it's brilliant. Mama, yes. Mama, yes. into one of my favorite songs <laughs> and i'm so sad that it wasn't really a part of the original animated feature <laughs> except in that uh that 10 year anniversary the the, re- the 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 you mean the live action that we will not speak of <laughs> no, no when they, you, so, oh like like when beauty and the beast when they right. came out of imax they put in human again oh that's right i forgot they did that yeah yes yes uh, it's the morning report, and it's Zazu giving the morning report to Mufasa uh, about what's happening in the Pride Lands. What's the story? It's like the gossip columnist. It right. is a riot. It is so funny. It is so funny, and it's sad that they cut that out of the stage version in 2010. Did you, Wait, did you say that they cut that out of the stage version? Yeah, they cut it out. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, it's no longer in there. Oh, that's terrible. What I know. were they what are they what? Oh, it even says if I had looked at my notes, I even wrote it down. <laughs> Wouldn't you know? Uh that's horrible. I hate that. I, I hate that. It's, I it's such a great piece. It is. Such a great piece. And it's only like two minutes. It's not like it's it's not like it added a huge amount of time. 
Right, and it's the show. I mean, it gives Zazu, it gives Zazu something to do, and young Simba, and we get more Mufasa before he, uh, yeah, you know. before he kicks the bucket. Exactly, exactly. Right, before right. he becomes the sky, before <laughs> before he goes to the sky. Uh, but I love it. I think it's hysterical. I think it's clever. I think the rumors that they created for it lyrically. Um, I think uh, Tim Rice did such a great job. Oh yeah, that you know that Tim Rice. He's a great lyricist. He doesn't get. I think I find he doesn't get the credit he deserves in a lot. Of I things. think so too. I think so too. Um, and I think that uh, it really, it's just so clever. It's just so clever, and it completely shifts the the mood of the show, right? Because we've been pretty serious up to this point. It's been awe inspiring, but it's been pretty serious with Circle yeah. of Life and and the Grasslands, and so it 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 lets us know that we're gonna laugh. Right, we need something for the little kids. Yeah, yeah, it's so brilliant. It's so great. Why don't we listen to a little bit of The Morning Report? Yes, yes, Get on with it. In order that his majesty stands sturdy at the helm, aware of all the fauna's latest views. Zazu, (laughs) The Morning Report. Yes, sire, The Morning Report. Chips are going ape, giraffes remain above it all. Elephants remember, though just what I can't recall. Crocodiles are snapping up fresh offers from the banks. Showed interest in my nest egg, but I quickly said, no thanks. We haven't paid the hornbills, and the vultures have a hunch. Not everyone invited will be coming back from lunch. <laughs> this is the morning report. Gives you the long and the short. Every grunt. And snort, not a tail I distort on the morning report. What are you doing, son? Pouncy. Ah, let an old pro show you how it's done. The buffalo have got a beef about this season's grass. Warthogs have been caught in in attempts to save their gas. I love the morning report. I love it. I just love it. It makes me laugh. It's clever. It's just good. It's so good. So, uh, we then go into another transition piece, um, and, uh, this is the lioness hunt. And if you haven't seen this, um, what I, it's really a dance number. Right. Really. Uh, and it is brilliant. Uh, it is so wonderful. The lionesses, um, dancing and hunting, uh, in this number, but also I love the music. I love the sound. I love the, the, um, I don't know what, I don't know what to call them. The, the different sounds that they make during this. The, the calls. The calls. Yeah. yeah. It is, it is so good. So good. Uh, um, I think that it, it adds, you know, just another sprinkling of, of, you know, we're on the continent, um, into this, you know, because we've just had this comedic, basically cartoonish song, and it brings us back. It reminds us that we're still right. in this place, right? This magical place. Um, yeah. You know. And what I what I really like about it, and we sort of alluded to this earlier, is that there are moments, you know, sometimes when you're seeing a show, there, you know, there's a black end of scene, blackout, applause scene change music or something, you know, they, you know, curtain closes and they have some little, you know, ditty in front Vignette. of the stage. Yeah, exactly. But by having these kind of weave in and out, it really, it, it really never takes you out of, 
right the, of the experience except for you know end of act one intermission right but it it's really a cohesive act and act one and then act two yeah it really is it's really amazing it's really amazing how it is it seamlessly flows um and i love that i love when a show is just seamless right it just goes and continues um, and we're seeing that a lot now because a lot of shows are choosing not to have an intermission, right? They're cho- choosing to go 90 minutes. Right, because our, our attention, attention spans have gotten shorter. That's exactly right, you know, and, and like, because it used to be that the first act was 90 minutes. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what the first act was. So, um, you know, 90-minute first act, hour second act, and, you know, wrap it up. Uh, unless, unless you're Les Mis and... You know, that's a whole other beast. But, um, yeah. <laughs> it's an hour and a half and then 80 minutes, second half. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, so, um, The Lioness Hunt's brilliant. Um, let's listen to just, uh, you know, 30 seconds of The Lioness Hunt to kind of give uh, give a taste of what this is about. Let's do it. So then we move on to another number from the movie, right? Um, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, which we all know uh, from the 94 movie. Uh, I don't think, you know, my opinion is I don't, they didn't really change this very much. Do you think? No, not really. I, I felt like it really stayed pretty, pretty true to what it was uh, in, in, the, in the film, which, you know, it should. It didn't need to be changed. Uh, it, it's his I Want song and, and it. And it works, mm-hmm. you know, if it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If exactly. it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, so let's listen to a taste of this. I don't think that, you know, if you're interested in what we really think about this, you can go back. You can go back and listen to the previous podcast. There you go. Uh, go back and listen. Um, I don't think we have anything addition, additional to add. I We both like it. Right, Aaron? We do. And I, I will say what I said in the last podcast where it still reminds me of Under the Sea. Yes, yes. Just the melody. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, because now whenever I listen to it, I always think that too. That's that yep. is a true statement. Yeah, so when you listen to this, see if you can hear that. Uh, hear that taste of it. So let's listen to a little bit of the Broadway version of I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Hey. I'm gonna be a mighty king, so when the bees beware. I've never seen a king of beasts with quite so little hair. Uh, I'm gonna be the main event like no king was before. I'm rusting up on the king down. I'm working on my raw. Thus far, a rather uninspiring thing. 
introduced um, to uh, some villains, right? We're, in, we're in, introduced to the hyenas. Um, and uh, they sing uh, Chow Down. Um, which uh, I guess I like. Yeah. I mean, I think I like it. I, I, I certainly don't dislike it. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's a villain song, um, and it definitely lets you know that they're for they're for real. Yeah. I mean, it it. I always felt like the 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 hyenas in the film play are part of the comedic relief, also. Yes. And you know because we we you know the film is condensed to you know eighty eight minutes or whatever, and this right. is a, Two hour forty, two hour, yeah, two hour forty minute Broadway show. Right. You know, th- this is an area that they could expand upon and give them something else, a little more to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. It just kind of it fleshes it out a little bit more, and I and I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it also lets you know that they are menacing to these small uh, lion cubs, right? That they right. are at this moment, they are stronger than the lion cubs. Uh, right. It 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 definitely. Um, shares that point of view. Uh, so let's listen to a little bit of a little bit of chow down. And then I would just say, if you guys, if everybody that's listening, if you have opinions about us, let us know, uh, leave a comment. Um, let us know, leave a note, uh, you know, tweet at us, uh, whatever, however you do it. Um, let us know what you think of this, about this piece in this musical. So let's listen to a little bit of chow down. He called us slobbering. Said we were mangy. Did I hear stupid? <gasps> Tell us again. Gee. It's so incredible. That you're so rude. When you're so edible. <laughs> when you are Time to chow down. Then we go to a song that I absolutely love. I love this song. Um, so we, 
I think the movie does a great job of establishing the relationship between um, Mufasa and Simba. I really do. I think for the amount of time that they had to do it, it's really well done, right? Uh, but when he talks to uh, when he talks to Simba in this song about the Lion Kings in the sky mm-hmm. and the uh, you know the heritage of who he is. I just absolutely love this song. I love this piece. What what, what fascinates me so much about about this song, um, but also Shadowland and and Endless Night and a, a lot of the other the, the songs that that were added to the Broadway version is that you know they're so groove based. I mean, you've right. got four percussionists in the in the orchestra. Right. Usually you you have a drum set player and then some auxiliary percussion. But you've you've got and usually in, in some touring productions they're actually not in the pit they're on the side, um, elevated, like you know and and you know they're dressed in in costumes so like again it makes right. it you know really cohesive. But they're a part of it. Yes, it's so interesting how these songs that are so tribal and you know I say groove oriented because they are you know it's these this percussion section and using all this African percussion instruments. That really get it going, and but it's you know when you hear something is groove based, you kind of think okay, well it's kind of like a rock beat and it just goes. But there's such lyricism and expression in the way that they chose the different African instruments um, for each piece, and it just it 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 doesn't ever feel like you know like a a rock show or something. Yeah, but. It, but they are. It is. It all. It is all very percussive and groove based. But the way it envelops you, it makes it feel really connected. I think. Yeah, compl- I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I um, I just I just love this piece. I think and and I, f- it doesn't feel like, they just threw it in, right? It doesn't right. feel like it was just, haphazardly added. Oh, we have to have something for him to sing. Like, uh, it really feels like it has always been a part of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you, I think, um, you know, Mark uh, Mancina, Jay Rifkin, and Lebo M just really hit a home run with it. I just think it's brilliant. Um, so, all right, let's listen to a little bit. Uh, well, and if you, if you didn't catch, it's about... Mufasa talking to Simba about his heritage, what about his past and about all the kings in the past that came before him. Um, It's the scene of everything that the light hits, right? That's the scene. Uh, And then they go in, then he sings this song, which is brilliant. Uh, So uh, here it is. They live in you. And the spirit of life calling Mamela and a voice with 
the fear of a child Ask him Oh, Mamela song is majestic without being majestic Mm -hmm. yeah right it's it's not what you would traditionally think of as majestic but it is yeah absolutely um and and also i was going to say it's worth mentioning that the original mufasa on broadway samuel e wright um disney fans will also recognize that name because he was the um original voice of sebastian in right that's exactly right that's exactly right uh, it all comes around, doesn't it? It's a big yep. circle of life. It all comes around. It uh, is. <laughs> it is. Uh, so then we finally uh, get uh, Scar's big villain number, um, which is so scary uh, and so good. It's And it's brilliant in this show, too. Um, so be prepared with all of its imagery of Nazism and... Uh, fascism um, mm. and you know all of that uh, I, I think it's really um, I, I think it's performed brilliantly I love uh, there's something about the um, the use of the mask with Scar mm-hmm. that I really like Right. Like yeah. when he gets fierce, the mask comes down. Otherwise, we see his face. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think that is such a great thing. Uh, but I just I love this song. I think it's one of the best villain songs out there. Um, and I love villain songs. So, you know, it's one mm-hmm. of my favorites are oh, villain yeah. songs. Um, and I think this one is just top notch. I just think it's top notch. What do you what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and I think, I mean, it, 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 everything about the, this whole sequence, the, the way it's staged, the way it's scored, the way, you know, the, again, the flow of it. I mean, it, it's so, it's so kind of overwhelming and powerful, but it's also very beautiful. Yes. It, you know, as, as a piece of, of art. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It truly is. It truly is. I never thought hyenas essential. They're crude and unspeakably brave. But maybe they've a glimmer of potential if allied to my vision and brain. 
retention are as wet as a warthog's backside. But thick as you are, pay attention. My words are a matter of pride. It's clear from your vacant expression the lights are not all on upstairs. But we're talking kings and successions. Even you can't be caught unawares. So prepare for the chance of a lifetime. Be prepared for sensational news. A shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously squared. Be prepared. So after we get that, of course, uh, we get the stampede. Um, and I, I actually love, musically, I love the stampede on stage. And I think the reason I love it is that it's done live. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. I think there's yeah. something about that that adds a whole new energy to this uh, piece of music. There's something alive about it uh, that I don't think that you get in the movie. I, and not that the movie was stagnant and bad by any means, um, but there is something about the the being performed by live performers right there that give it such energy and such um, movement in the piece. Uh, I yeah. love it. And visually, this I wasn't sure how they were going to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think visually, it's brilliant. Um, yeah. I was just shocked at how well it pulled off um, when I first saw it. So, uh, and I wish, and, and I'm sure if you go out on YouTube, you can find it. I'm sure yeah. it's out on YouTube. I mean, you know. That's why, that's why I won the Tony. <laughs> yeah, ex- that's exactly right. Ex- that's if you If you question why it won, just go watch this scene, right? Mm-hmm. So, so brilliant. Uh, and so simple, right? It's such a simple concept that was yeah. just done exceedingly well. Um, it just goes to show you that sometimes the uh, best ideas are not the most complicated ideas. Um, so uh, so we have the stampede, and uh, and let's listen to a little bit of the stampede, because I really think you need to hear it. Because it, mm-hmm. it is vocally a little different than the stampede from the movie. So let's listen to, we'll just listen to a very short clip of the stampede and, uh, and enjoy it. Thank you. 
we now have gotten so that Mufasa has died, right? Uh, and um, Simba has run away, right? Because Scar said he, you know, it's because of you that your father died. Um, and then we get a piece called Rafiki Mourns. Mm-hmm. Um, this piece, uh, first of all, I, I found it interesting that this was actually um, written. The the vocals came from Sidi Laloka. She did them um, and created them for this. Right. Uh, and it is heart wrenching. It mm-hmm. is heart wrenching. I mean, just the cries of pain that come out um, is just amazing. It adds a whole, you know, if you weren't moved before, this definitely sends you over the top, right? right. This definitely uh, takes you to a to a new level um, in this show. Uh, what what do you? I mean, what do you think? Do you do you think that? Uh, just what do you think? What are your thoughts? I, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no, I I think it's it's beautifully scored, um, and I, you know, I think the Julie Taymor's decision to to change Rafiki's gender to a female, yes, um, I think is a was a was a really great idea. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I know that part of it was because. Otherwise, it's a it's a very male character dominated show. Right. Um, right. Uh, but I think, you know, I, th- I mean, the character of Rafiki symbolizes so much in the show. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, a hero, a mentor, someone who looks after you, someone who's kind of always watching. Um, and then to see someone so revered. Um, just kind of break down, right? I mean, it, it, it's it's one of the the emotional high points in the show for sure. Yeah, it is. It is so impactful, and um, and I agree. I totally agree. And I agree with with making Rafiki female. Um, I think it really adds uh, a, a a nice shift to the yeah. piece. Um, I think it was a great idea. Um, and, you know, I'm sure she was scared to do it to begin with. I'm sure she was like, oh, is this going to work? But it really does. It really does. So yeah. let's listen uh, to a little bit of this Rafiki Mourns. I, I, I just love this. I just love this. So let's listen to it. Hey, 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 hey,
So, after that, um, obviously, there needs to be a little bit of of levity. <laughs> right. We've just had a parent die. We've had our narrator uh, just break down, you know, in front of us. Um, you know, it looks like that the villain is winning. Um, so, we are introduced to Timon and Pumbaa, obviously, uh, because they are who find... Uh, Simba after all of this uh, mm-hmm. and we end the act with Hakuna Matata um, and I find it interesting that every version of Hakuna Matata is just a little bit different yep yeah everyone is just a little like this is just a little different from the 94 film and uh, and the new live you know the movie that that we don't mention um, was just you know, was even different from this. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that, that they were willing, you know, that they just kept tweaking it, right? For each iteration, they just kept playing with it. Yeah. Um, which I really love. I really love about it. Um, I like this version. Uh, I still, I mean, you know, I'm such a fan of the original that it's it's hard, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's hard, especially without Ernie Sabella and Nathan Lane. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Exactly. I, I can't think of the song and not hear them. Really. Right. Oh, it, it's so iconic with them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I do, there's a, a little cl- a clarinet solo in this version that I like um, a lot as, you know, as things are happening on stage and scene change music. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice, you know, at first it's kind of, it seems like an odd place to end the act, but you know, you, you, what was that? Uh, rule Cole Porter said you, you can never end an act with a ballad right yeah that's exactly right and you certainly couldn't end it with Rafiki Morns oh my god can you imagine <laughs> people would go out and slit their wrists <laughs> no probably not <laughs> probably not not the best would not be the best decision not the best decision uh, but I do like this version and I like these guys um, yeah. I think they do the best with what uh, you know they're great they're great. It's just so hard when somebody imprints themselves so firmly on a character. It's so hard to try to replicate that, right? To try to bring your own thing to it because that ghost is always hanging over um, with, you know, uh, with Nathan Lane and early Ernie Sabella. I mean, they were brilliant together. They were oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant together. And I think... Uh, you know, Max Casella is is wonderful on his own anyway, and um, so is Tom Allen Robbins. And I think that 
uh, you know, they do a great job of making it their own. So let's listen to a little bit of it so that everybody can hear what we're talking about. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's a motto? What's the matter with you? <laughs> Those two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumba here. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma lacked a certain appeal. He could clean a savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul. Though I seem thick-skinned And it hurt That my friends never stood downwind <laughs> And oh, the shame Oh, what a shame Thought of changing my name Oh, what's the name And I got downhearted Every time that I Hey, Pumba Not in front of the kids Oh, sorry Hakuna Matata All right, and after that we have the end of the act uh, everybody breathe, right? You, you go out and you're like, oh, that was great. That was blah, right? Because you've just gotten Hakuna Matata. So right. process uh, what you've just seen. <laughs> right, exactly. And I, you know, I also like that they introduce us to Simba, not young Simba, but they, we go to Simba before intermission. I actually like that decision. I like that we see him before the second act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I like that too. I think that's I think that's a smart that's a really smart decision because uh, then we can just we don't have to introduce him again. We can just move forward, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we come back um, and we open with uh, one by one. Um, what are your What do you think about one by one? Um, you know, I like it. I think it's a good. I think it's a good entry into the act, like a sort of a reminder of, you know, this is where we left off. Um, yeah. But again, it, it's it's kind of like it's it's not a big opening of Act Two number. Right. It, it's more right. like so, some of the other. Um, I, I don't want to say interstitial, but like it's some transition. Of the, it's transitional. Transi- yeah. Right. Yeah. It's more of that transition material. Um, kind of leading us into the next thing, which, you know, I think in hands of, of less talented creators couldn't, might not have worked so well, but I, I, right. you know, I think it works. It's, right. you know, it's very seamlessly. This is, you know, if there were no intermi- intermission, that's where that song would organically take place as a scene transition right before the next one. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. Just a, a continuation of it. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like, they decided to make it feel like there was no intermission, right? Yeah. That we just tra- that we just continued the story, and we you just because you because we're people and we have to potty is the only reason you know that they did it, right. uh, you know. So because otherwise, I think they could have just gone on with it. Um, mm-hmm. So then we have the madness of uh, King Scar. 
uh, which I I love. Right. I love the idea of uh, I love Scar going crazy. Yes. It's right. also the one time in the show where you can actually hear the electric guitar. Yeah. <laughs> important things. That's yes. important. Right. <laughs> to know that that electric guitar is there. Yeah, You're- that's true. I didn't think about that. That's very true. I had yeah. never considered that before. Oh, that's funny. That, that's going to totally change the way that I listen to that now. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, let's listen to a little bit, uh, we're going to go, we're going to start off listening to a little bit of one by one, and then we're going to transition to, uh, the madness, um, of King Scar to listen to a little bit of that. Uh, and then we'll be back. Why am I not loved? I am that rare and awesome thing. I'm every inch a king. Yet I feel a twinge of doubt as I go walk about. Hey, boss! When my name is whispered through the pride, is this talk of love already signed? Tell me I'm a door. Please tell me I'm a door. Hey, wow, what is it? We got a bone to pick with you. There's no food, no water. Yeah, it's dinner time and ain't no stinking entrees. You and your petty complaints. You don't know what real hunger is. Day after day, it gnaws at the very core of my being. I had that once. It was wines. No, no, no. It's like an itch. Deep, persistent, profound. That's it. Wines. When they get really bad, all you gotta do is hunger down and scoot. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Ingrates! If it weren't for me, you'd be beating off buzzards for your next bite. Yeah, yeah, I'll save you thanks a bunch But how about some lunch? It doesn't matter if it's fresh I need a fix of flesh 
After that uplifting tune, (laughs) sing along, everybody. Um, And we come back to what I think is just, uh, it's a song that you are convinced was in the movie. Yes. (laughs) Like, you always question whether it was in the movie or not. (laughs) and, And you can hear strains of it from the underscoring in the film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, it's like the Beast song. At the end of Act One, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a song out of it, you know, out of the the orchestrations that they had um, from the movie. Uh, so, but it's called Shadowland. I love this because it's when Nala decides that she's going to leave and she's telling the lionesses that she's leaving and is getting their approval because they can't continue with what's going on because there's no food, there's no, you know, nothing. The the Pride Lands is dying. Um and right. God bless Heather Headley. I was oh. I was going to say from, you know, from Chicago. I mean, she wasn't born in Chicago, but she lives in Chicago now. Yeah. Oh, um, Chicago's Heather Headley. I mean, it is so brilliant. I mean, she, she's incredible. Yeah. Oh, and if you haven't listened to another show that we need to do, Aaron, um, oh, yeah. is if you haven't ever listened to Aida, uh, you need to listen to that, too. We'll we'll do that show together, too. We'll talk about that. Um, Cause, I, yeah, because I done, it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but Heather Headley. Oh, she is. I mean, a tour de force. She is just magnificent. And this this. Uh, song shows her off so beautifully. Um, I just love it. Uh, and I think the idea of Shadowland and um, what it represents um, is beautifully placed in this moment. It's such a beautiful uh, imagery for this moment in time for them. Right? Because yeah. it's still, even though it's Shadowland, there's still an essence of hope. Right. There's still this feel there. There's still a feeling of this is going to be OK. I'm going to make this OK. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just love it. So powerful. So powerful. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to work hard not to play the whole song on here. <laughs> um, yeah. But let's listen to some Shadowland. I'll, I'll be sure to pick pick a powerful moment of this. So let's let's listen to some Shadowland uh, with Heather Headley singing.
I'm telling you what, she could sing the phone book and I would listen to her. She and she was only 23 or something yeah. when she was when she originated Nala. I mean, yeah, she was brand new. She was new on the scene. <laughs> right. And, I mean, oh, she, and she also I mean, she got, she, you know, she won her Tony for Aida. And yes, rightfully and, so. Oh, yes. And and recently had, did a stint in the color purple. But she actually uh, does beautiful interpretations of of jazz standards of Cole Porter and um, George Gershwin, Harold Arlen, Jerome Kern, all those uh, great American songbook songs. Yes. She's a beautiful, she's just such a, she's got such an amazing instrument. Yeah. It it really is stunning. I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, whenever you put the, an American songbook song with somebody of that, of that level of talent, I mean, in my opinion, it just doesn't get any better than that yeah. i love that because i love the american songbook i'm all oh, about the cole porter and gershwins and you know i love it all uh mm-hmm. and so to uh to to have her singing it i agree it's it's just brilliant she's brilliant so be sure to check those out well, little little plug there for for heather headley um because we love her so uh endless night um is our next piece uh, I love the amount of people that get credit for this song. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's like this, song by committee. <laughs> this is the uh, the biggest, this is the biggest, uh, the, the song with the most cooks. <laughs> it's just crazy. But it sounds okay. Yeah, I, I mean, you've, I mean, you've got the, you know, the, the, orca- not the orchestration, the, the instrumental score part by Hans and then the right the African chant by Lebo M and then throw on um Hans's collaborators who do the arrangements and then yeah. make it feel that yeah that, that very you know the it, it's like it's like Hans Zimmer light because it's a small orchestra not a Hollywood orchestra right right um, right and then throw in some lyrics by Julie Taymor because she yeah. just had to write it herself why not right why not I, I say go for it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I do. I, this is this is like you know how there's there's always the the I want song in a musical. Yes. This is the this is the what do I want song. Right, because we had the I want song earlier, right? I just can't wait to be king. Right is the I want song, but then we've totally turned that on its head, right? And this right. is I agree. This is the this is the I don't what do I want, right? I agree totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I, and I like that shift, right? I think mm-hmm. that it's effective, um, uh, you know, as far as um, a theatrical moment. I think it's very as- effective. And I think Jason Ray, um, Ray's does a beautiful job singing it. Um, I just love it. I love it in this. You know, Nala had her moment. Let's, ha- let's let Simba have his, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I just, I do, I love it. I, I think it's brilliant. And I think the I, I think because we've used the Hans Zimmer orchestration, um, that's why it feels so familiar, right? That's yeah. why it feels like, was this in the movie? Did we know this before? Uh, right. And and it's it's worth mentioning that both Shadowland and Endless Night were um were based off of two songs from the sort of the sequel soundtrack to Lion King, the rhythm of the pride lands. Right. 
Right. Um, and, and but they were they were sung in their original, um, in their original dialect uh, in the in the rhythm of the Pride Lands, and then adapted. You know, alter, the lyrics and the music were slightly adapted, more so to the lyrics, but adapted. You know, with English text for for their function in this in this narrative. Right. Um, I don't think, you know, Aaron, um, you want to talk, this is a good, this is a good moment to talk about rhythm of the pride lands. You, Cause I don't think a lot of people know that that's out there. Honestly. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. only us true, only, only the true nerds <laughs> that we are <laughs> know that that even exists. Right. Right. Yeah. So, well, so you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, it was a, um, it's sort of a, we'll call it a companion, soundtrack to yeah. the music of the lion king yeah um i i think on the it's uh, the way it's phrased on the cover is it's music inspired by the lion king so it's um it was a rich, you know this independent idea by Lebowem and jay rifkin and jay rifkin I, as i mentioned earlier was one of the um one of hans zimmer's associates working on the score for the lion king so jay rifkin and Lebowem teamed up um and Disney supported the project and they came out with other music, um, music inspired by the Lion King or from the South, from different parts of, of, of Afri different African influences and in part of, um, South Africa. Um, yeah. and just, you know, again, just a, a different, another look at the music, um, of that culture because it's so, you know, there's beautiful music and there's and it's so much and music plays such an important role in African culture. Right. Um, and the right. style of music, much like language, you know, from country to country, village to vill village, there's so many subtle differences. The music is the same way as you go around, you know, the continent. And even if you think about America, too, you know, the music changes from different parts of the country. Um, and it's just something that we're not that are, you know. Western civilization ears aren't used to hearing. So um, it was a CD that came out um, in 1995, so a year after the film came out. Um, and then uh, some pieces from the CD uh, made its way into um, into the stage version, again, with the melodies and sort of the rhythms um, staying over, staying the same from the CD, but um, different text. So, right. Um, you know, I believe, plan. yeah, yeah. I believe that it actually exists out in, uh, um, out in Spotify. Uh, yeah, probably. And, and I will, I will try to find it and put a link in the show notes so that if anybody's interested in going out and listening to that, they can, they can go out and hear that. I'm sure that it's out there. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of the Lion King, then you will, then you have to listen to this. It's yeah. Just, yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, Aaron. When it first came out, I didn't appreciate it. It took me a little bit of time to appreciate what I was listening to with it. And I kept going back to it because I kept thinking, I should like this. I should like this. Right? And so yeah. for me, it took several listenings for me to finally wrap my brain about what was going on and what it was and why they did it and kind of get the point of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially with our... You know, in, in the way that we get music nowadays, if you don't have, you know, the liner notes and you can't and you don't have, you know, the the, the, the context, it's it's I agree. It's hard to get into. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you kind of it's one of those cases where if you know or, you know, it, you can it can 
fall in the habit of it all kind of sounding the same. And I put that in quotation marks. Yes. Um, but if you if you kind of read along and see what each piece is about and read the translation, um, then I think it's much more meaningful then. I think that that's true. And I'm sure that that's out there, too. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'll I'll Google that, too, so that people can have it. Uh, we'll try to make this as easy as we can for them, for everybody that's listening to uh, to get a hold of that. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for going into that. I appreciate that because I think that that's that's important to understand. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. You know, in, in all of this. The starlight gone dark is the day. How can I find my way home? Home is an empty dream Lost to the night Father, I feel so alone You promised you'd be get our Elton John love ballad, which... So good. I mean, you know, I love a good Elton John ballad. I love sure. a good Elton John ballad. I really love this one. <laughs> yeah. It is so, so good. Um, yeah, we're talking about Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Um, uh, I like this version better than the uh, movie version. Because you know who's singing it. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. It's that's not just ex- some voice. <laughs> that's right. It's not just a background song, right? It's not just, you know, it's not just a montage in this. Right. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I think um, it's it's a brilliantly constructed love song. Um, and, and really uh, pretty... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's not uh, like there's no time period attached to it. Like mm-hmm. I pretty, I feel like it doesn't. It, it has aged really well. 
right? Yeah. As the yeah. whole show has. But this is really, I, in my opinion, this is the mo- most poppy radio thing we have in this show, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, I think it's aged really well. Mm-hmm. I think it's still a beautiful, effective, uh, moving song uh, that if they released it today, it would be popular today. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one of the things that, that, you know, that I notice, and it's probably just because Elton John is a pop songwriter versus Alan Menken, who is a theater writer, um, is I, I notice a bigger switch when, you know, they do the pop version of a song that goes over the end credits. Right. You know, which right. I love. I mean, I love me, my Peebo Bryson and Celine Dion. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Yes. So, yes. Um, it's one but, of the few that I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and, and again, Peebo Bryson on Aladdin. Yes. Um, but it, it, there's not as big of a, you know, it, like in my in my head, there's not a big as big of a tonal shift from hearing the film version of Can You Feel the Love Tonight and then the credit version, which is just Elton John. I mean, right. I agree with that. It's very it it's it's in the same category, right? Yeah. It's almost it's, as though Elton John could have sung it in the movie. And the only reason he didn't is because they were like, no, because everybody's going to go, oh, it's Elton John. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I wonder if that was the conversation that happened. I wonder if he wanted to sing it for the movie and they were like, no, because then everybody's going to go, oh, listen, it's Elton John. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure yellow brick road is next. I am, I am absolutely positive. Oh, uh, so, uh, yeah. So let's listen to a little bit of this, uh, of the Broadway version of, can you feel the love tonight? her see the truth about my past impossible she'd turn away from me he's holding back he's hiding but what i can't decide why won't he be the king i know he is the king i see inside can you feel the love tonight Then we come back to a reprise, um, and you know, it's a little surprising to me that there are not more reprises in this show. I, I love it. I know I, mean, I do too. No, I, I I don't. I didn't mean that as a bad thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's a good thing. I sometimes I'm like, can we enough with the reprises? We get it, right? It's like, could you not write something new? Really? <laughs> So, but I, um, this is one that I really like because this is when Rafiki comes back to Simba. Right. Right. And it's Rafiki, uh, he lives in you, right? Talking about Mufasa. Right. Um, and I think it is so effective 
Yeah. I, oh, and when you get all those drums going, oh, oh. It's, it is, it is transportive. It absolutely is. And, um, you know, and the shift in uh, meaning that they were able to create with the same song, right? Uh, because in the first, it's Mufasa telling, you know, Simba about his heritage and about all this, the stars in the sky. And this one is about Rafiki telling Simba, you are the king, right? right? You are one of those. Remember, he is, Mufasa is in you. He is there. And, you know, because we hear, you know, Simba saying, well, I don't know what to do because, you know, dad's not around, basically, right? To show me what to do. And um, and all of his guilt and all of his, all of that in it. And then to have Rafiki do this song, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, it's the you need song. It you is. Need. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, so let's listen to uh, the, a little of the reprise of He Lives in You. So then we come to really the only, I this is the only instrumental piece in the show, isn't it? This um, battle. I th I think so. I think it is. I mean, we have all those transition things, but there's always vocals. In right. Them. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. This is. I mean, I think there's there's act and obviously there's action happening and yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember if there's dialogue in the. I don't remember either. Yeah. But. But yeah, this is, and th this is a instrumental. This is where the orchestrators get to just go ham on, right. on whatever they want to do. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's it's they, your favorite they, moment. <laughs> they use those. This is, this is, I think, the last time they had three fr three French horns in the pit was in South Pacific, and now they've got three here again. Oh so uh, yeah, go, which is just unheard of, right? I mean, you know that you know that uh, the the union was just thrilled with this, right? Uh, you know, it's Disney. They, they can afford it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, so Simba confronts Scar. Obviously it's the battle, right? It's the, yeah. it's the pinnacle of the show. Um, you know, so let's, let's listen to a little bit of Simba confronts Scar. It's a little crazy. So hold on. Thank you. 
just so love that. I just love it. I, there's just something about it. I, 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 I feel like um, even more so than the movie that the Broadway scoring mm-hmm. was able to grasp the emotion of what's going on more so than the movie. Um, and, yeah. and I think it's because they bring more African sounds into it, right? Yeah. It's not it, the it, sweeping orchestrations that Hans Zimmer did, which are brilliant. I am yeah. not taking anything away from that man at all. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but I think the, the, the additional sounds that they brought in for the show, um, I, I don't know. I find it more moving. I yeah, just, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and this kind of just popped into my head just now. You know, there is such a. I, I, it, I think it has to do with the way that, you know, when you've got four percussionists using, you know, real African percussion instruments. Yes. That are all handmade, and then that, and all all eleven flutes again, which are all handmade. And then the strings, you know, wooden instruments, which are again handmade, and not that the, the the winds and brass instruments aren't handmade, but there's something about, you know, a lot of these instruments are made of wood, and obviously, you know, the percussion and the the flutes, it's you know wood, it's different types of wood, being cut at certain lengths and dimensions to create um, a very, you know, I, I mean, this goes into acoustics, but. It, a very reedy and kind of earthier sound. Yes. And when you have so many of these real acoustic wooden instruments going, it gives it a really um, kind of a, a tribal and a visceral excitement. That's what I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, there's a reason that drum circles are popular, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Um, there is an earthiness to it. There is a grounding in it. Um, and I think there's an honesty in it, right? You can't yeah. you can't fake those, um, right? And, and, and it's one of the it's human one of humans' most basic movements, right? Right. You, you hit anything, it makes a sound. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's that's so true. Um, just ask my cats; uh, they will tell you because they hit anything to make sounds to get us to do something. Um, you know, there's a musical about that. Yeah, there is. I know, and I still also have a film. I, yeah, I, you know, Aaron, I'll be honest with you. I have not watched that yet. Neither I, have I. <laughs> we should watch it together. We, you know, we, we should, we should live stream. A, we should. We should <laughs> us watching it, our reactions. I love it. I love it. It's mystery science theater for the movie Cats <laughs> with two musical theater nerds. I love it. Okay. That is so good. I love that idea. I love that idea. All right, so we're basically at the end of the show, right? Uh, Simba has won. Um, we go into a piece called King of Pride Rock. It's also Circle of Life. Uh, it's the end of the show. And I think the grandeur of this, even in the movie, um, you know, the grandeur of this moment is really captured so well uh, in this. Hans Zimmer did such a brilliant job of wrapping everything up. And giving it us, giving us this nice bow at the end. Yeah, I mean, really. Uh, and I love the company vocals on this. Again, they bring out all the animals, all the different animals. Um, and uh, I think that it is just beautifully, you know, just beautifully done. 
I, I really love it. Um, it, it, and as you said at the beginning, it brings us full circle, right? Yeah. Because not only musically does it bring us full circle, image-wise, it brings us full circle again, uh, back. You know that circle of life idea. Right. So just, just great. Yeah. Um. And and the the king of Pride Rock, um. If I'm not mistaken, I think the king. Yeah, the king of Pride Rock is again a moment some of that underscoring from the film. Yes. Uh, that, that we're familiar with. And then when that comes in, um, into it, and then uh, that segues into circle of life. Uh, and then there's that great modulation in when it goes right into circle of life. Yeah. Uh, oh, and that beefed up choral arrangement. It's just, uh, it, it's really it, it uh, it's impactful. I it mean, is. It's and it's so celebratory, right? It's so um, it's so uplifting, and mm-hmm. you know, really, for everybody that's experiencing it on the stage in the audience, it's just so um, uplifting. Yeah. So, uh, no, I I truly love it. Let's listen to uh, King of Pride Rock and Circle of Light. And I may I may jump around in this. I may uh, you may hear me uh, kind of fade in and fade out at different moments of this to wrap this up. So uh, let's listen to uh, to the end of this brilliant musical. it up that is the lion king on broadway 
Yeah. Woohoo! Um, you know, uh, if if you haven't had a chance to see this yet, you really need to get to a theater uh, and see it. Uh, that's producing it. A tour, um, you know, New York, whatever the case may be, uh, it is worth it is worth every penny that you spend on it. Uh, it is so good. The music is so good. The stage production is so good. Um, and, you know, the great thing is, is that they've really kept the standard high on this show. Um, yeah. You know, I don't feel like and I've seen the tour a couple of times um, and I feel like the tour is every bit as good and energetic and people are as enthusiastic about performing it as they were the first time I saw it. Yeah. One, one of my um, one of my childhood friends, her father uh, was the music director for uh, one of the tours for the, the, the main tours the gazelle tour or the cheetah tour, whatever's the longer run. I think it's the yeah. cheetah tour. Yeah. He was the music director of that for 10 years. Wow. Wow. And, you know, he traveled the country and, you know, 10 yeah. years, the same show is a long time, but I was, I was fortunate enough to, he let me sit in the pit when it was sit when it sat down in Chicago for a few months. Oh, nice. Uh, and, nice. you know, he took me through his, his, his kind of warm up routine. Like he, every night before every show, he works. He uh, warms up um, young Simba and young Nala. Get the kids ready. Oh, cool! And I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's 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 a job. It's a it's a, yeah. Yeah, I have a connection to this show too. Um, one of my brother's friends, who uh, actually was a stage manager at Kings Island when my brother worked at Kings Island, is now the stage manager, and it has been for years oh, of no one kidding. of the tours. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it forever. Uh, I, I think for as long, whichever tour, I don't know if, I don't know if he's on, I think he might've been on the gazelle tour. It, I'm not, I'm not sure it was the cheetah tour. Cause I don't think he was in Chicago. Um, but I, and he's still doing it. He's still working this show. <laughs> God bless him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I think, I think when you get to that point, it's just so automatic, you know, it's easy yeah. to, it's easy to, uh, to continue with that. But, um, Yeah. Um, and you know, Hey, it's a job. Let's be yeah. real. You know, <laughs> if yeah. you like traveling, uh, you know, and you like the, the show you're in, you, you working on, you might as well stay with it. Uh, yeah. but there were, there were cats from the original Broadway production that ran the whole run. We, we, oh yeah. And you know, actually I was going to say, and, um, I was going to mention this and I think it's, it's, it's worth mentioning that, uh, you know, there were I, a couple of years ago when Disney, was celebrating their um, 20 Disney theatricals 25th anniversary. And they had a special on ABC and everything. They did a whole segment on the Lion King and two things struck me about it. One was that um, the amount of, of people that they get from South Africa to be in the show. Yes. You know, they audition there and it's one of the main, one of the big um, uh, economic um, factions of of South Africa is the amount of people and the amount of work that Disney has given um, given to these people who are cast in The Lion King over you know since 1997 since the show has come out. Yeah, um, yeah, and isn't there like there's a there's a number, isn't there? I mean, there's a certain number in each cast that they'd like to to fill, right. um, yeah. and the only cast that didn't was Brazil, right? I think there was, it's the only cast that didn't have anybody, that they used oh, all okay. native Brazilians in the cast. 
Sorry, um, that's just a little little piece of trivia there. Sorry. <laughs> how about that? Um, and there is and there was another there was an article in the New York Times a few years ago about uh, again something I think is really cool and not a lot of shows can do this, but there are people like you said who have been with the show from the beginning, but you age into different roles. So you could start at the beginning of your career and you can be, you know, one of the kids or a cub or a lioness. And then you can grow into the role of Nala and then you can grow into the role of Rafiki. You know, there's interesting there a lot of casts. Actually, if you look on the Wikipedia page for our audience, there's a whole list of of people of when of who, you know, when they came into the show and the different roles they've played or the different places they've played that role. I mean, it's it's really it's really cool to see, you know, people who grew up kind of, you know, beginning of the, their career. They were here and they played this role. And then 15 years later, they came back and they were this role. I mean, not a lot of shows a stay open that long. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. But have that sort of ability to to provide multiple roles over the span of a career. Right. And I think there has to be tribute paid to how long this has been open and oh, running yeah. on Broadway. I think, um, you know, just like Phantom of the Opera, um, I think, and just like, you know, the revival of Chicago, um, I there is, there's a commonality in this that people recognize, um, you know, that I think uh, speaks to generations um, and I mean, there's a reason that it's been running since 97, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's not a fluke. It is not a fluke that they're selling out all the time. Right. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's consistent and it's, you know, it, it's for every person. It's for, it's for kids. It's for adults. It's for theater goers. It's for theater novices. It's, that's you know. right. It's for the, this particular show is even for theater historians, Right. The way that Julie Taymor used, uh, you know, masks and stuff in this. Um, It is it's 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 brilliant. It really is. Uh, And and like I said, it is one of my favorite Broadway recordings. Um, I like it better than the 94 movie. Um, uh, That's just my personal opinion. We've talked all about it in this episode of why I feel that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, there's just. I feel like there's a completeness in this that they could not do in the movie because of time. Mm-hmm. Right. This, right. Uh, this gave them an extra hour to do what they wanted to do. Uh, and in this case, they didn't have to use filler to do it. Right. Right. In this case, they didn't have to rush to the high point song and then fill the second half up. Right. With just fluff. I wouldn't be speaking of anything you know, specific <laughs> frozen. Um, uh, and I love, I and I love frozen, but, but really they took us well past halfway. Right. In frozen in the first act. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the things that they added to add time instead of just adding it so that we can have a longer show, it really enhances the storytelling in this show. Um, and I truly appreciate that. Uh, that yep. they were able to do that uh, and do it so successfully. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, my friend, 
I love having you on. I, I love doing this. I'm so uh, I'm so happy to, to help out and chat. Yeah, I absolutely do. And we've already set up the next one we're going to do. I mean, obviously, we were talking about it. Uh, right. So we're going to be – we will definitely uh, get together again so that we can talk about AIDA. Um, uh, I, uh, I just enjoy the knowledge that you bring to the table because your, your musical knowledge uh, is much stronger than mine. Even though I have a music degree – uh, I don't use all that all the time. And so it's great having somebody that uses those skills and that knowledge and that expertise in to uh, enhance what we're talking about. I truly love having you on. Really do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to leave a comment, if we uh, maybe you agree with us, maybe you don't agree with us. Uh, you know, the thing I love, one of the things I love about the arts is that everybody's opinion is right. Uh, you know, as long as you're not nasty about it, you are welcome to have your opinion. That's what art is about. Uh, it's about, uh, you know, everybody having their own thoughts about what it is. Um, I just love that about it. Uh, so support the arts, support your local theaters that are probably closed right now, uh, and need your help. Those artists need your help and support. Uh, let us know what you think. You can find me on Twitter. I'm the Disney music dude on Twitter. I am... Uh, Magic Music Review on Facebook. Uh, it's Magic Mu Music Review. Uh, if you dot com, if you look that up, and you'll see all of the episodes there, and you can leave a comment there. You can also leave me an email at jim at thegoofyguy.com. And with that, I'll plug my other podcast, uh, The Goofy Guy Podcast, which comes out twice a week, where we talk about Disney news. Um, and a Disney topic. So Monday's all about Disney news and Thursday's are all about a different topic that we talk about, uh, either helping to plan with a uh, trip or, you know, our favorite things or our least favorite things. Just lots of fun. We have a great time uh, on that podcast. So join us over there, too. Uh, and Aaron, uh, if they want to reach out and talk to you, how can they find you out in the socials or emails or whatever you'd like to share with us? Uh, you can... Um... You can go to my website, which is AaronSKaplan.com, uh, and you can um, you can reach me email um, through the contact page um, or Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my handle is ASKCELLO or AskCello, and because Ask are my initials. That's so clever. I love yes. that. Every time I see it, I'm like, I love that. <laughs> And, you know, my, my parents are biochemists, and they wanted me to ask questions, so that's why, that's why I ask is my, are my initials. They're biochemists. How did you end up being a musician? Yeah, I, it's a good question. <laughs> well, I love that you did. I am yeah, so happy that you did. Uh, so... Um, thanks again for being on. Really appreciate it. Uh, everybody, be sure you go out, uh, leave a five-star rating and a review uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate it. It helps other people find this uh, podcast. We're actually becoming uh, pretty popular in Japan, which is exciting. Awesome. I know. I love that. Um, and so please share the word because uh, we certainly love sharing Disney music. Um, it is it is one of the happy things in my life. Of the many happy things that I have, this is definitely one of them. Uh, so with that, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. Can I see? See you real soon. Hey.
because we like you. Yeah.